Hey, 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 guys, welcome back. Another edition of Coffee with Closer. What's up? What's going on? Welcome, welcome. Don, Gavin, good morning. Greg. Good morning. Happy to have you, brother. Good morning, everyone. It's honor. I'm honored to be a guest on the show. I see you guys uh, start launched this, what was it, like five months ago now or four months ago now? Probably, yeah, three and a half, four, give or take. Yeah, we're Did having a lot of fun. This stem from that conversation in Key West until about four in the morning. Was this where this, this, this uh, podcast originated? It did. It did. I That's love exactly it. it. That's exactly it. it. I saw that picture of the three of you guys, and I'm like, I bet you they came up with this idea in Key West at four in the morning. That's that exactly is exactly what right. <laughs> my, that. my guess That's is true. Awesome. We all to share a uh, ideas. Yeah, we all share a common uh, common need to get out and get wild. Sometimes, you know, I love yeah. getting wild. My my <laughs> venue, my my location of choice is Las Vegas. <laughs> I love it. Hey guys, I want to do something today. I have about a hundred of my books, the ultimate guide to wholesaling real estate. And I bought a bunch of these and I was giving them out to people at events. Um, but COVID has really dampened my events and I got about a hundred of these books. So if you ask a question today, I'm going to mail you a book for free, my cost. So if you do ask a question, what I'm going to have you do is I'm going to have you text me your name and your address, and we can use the number. Where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? Here it is. Let's actually get it up on the screen. Well, while, while Dave is doing that, uh, how's everybody doing today for this week? How's your week going there, Greg? There it is. All right. It's going great. Uh, we got a couple came in, a couple of new properties came in last week. And uh, got a few were closing on this week. And um, biggest win was we got a monster, monster assignment out in uh, San Diego last week. Big, 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 all six figures. So we put that together and uh, that was a good score for sure. So we have to get it, close it. But um, it's funny that California buyers, for some reason, you like on purpose, I put out my wholesales cheap and then they always, you know, bid like it's like you're basically putting it on the MLS. Like so the demand for these properties is just crazy. So that was a big score. Um, but yeah, just so, been, been so great. Tell us a little bit about it, if you don't mind. How did you find the deal? Yeah. How long were you working it? What was the lead source? Um, yeah, yeah. This is, this is us, not man. normal. Fill I'll us in. You. This is not normal, this one. So I'm not, I wouldn't bank on this all the time, but I hired a cold calling company to cold call for me. Okay. And uh, I said, let's give this a shot. You know, I, I I was like, might as well give it a go. I, I wasn't too sold on it, but I figured let's just give this a shot. So anyway, the first batch of leads, you know, they were talking to the sellers were talking to my lead manager and it's just garbage, 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 garbage. And then this one came in, this is an Oceanside. And, uh, it came in and it sounded pretty good, you know, especially for a California seller. These people are not really desperate ever, uh, at least in San Diego. They're they're pretty savvy. And uh, I heard the call and, you know, she talked to my, my lead manager, spoke with her. And I was like, this is a good this is a good lead. Like, this is something that I think is going to happen. Like it was like the, the seller wasn't distressed. But so I got on the phone with the, the gentleman after and we had a pretty good conversation. Not a lot of pain, not a lot of desperation. The house was not falling over, but he just wanted like a fair price. And like in this, this is uh, this is like, out in California and you live yeah, in this New is York. In Southern. Yeah, this is in I'm in New York right now. And this was in California. Yeah, <laughs> I so, love it. <laughs> 
so anyway, so so the seller, you know, he he was reasonable, but I knew that at his price, like we could make it work. But there were some other investors competing for this house. And I was like trying to figure out how to be the guy that he was going to sell to. So basically I made him an offer. I think of like, I forget the price. It was like four ninety or something like that. He wanted like, no, I offered him four eighty. He wanted 500 and we were kind of close. 500 was definitely a bit of a deal, but I didn't want to like kind of cave in and think he could get more. So then I said, if we split the difference, can you just sign? And they said, yes. So I got it. And then we put it out to the list and sold it for 71,000 assignment. So it doesn't close yet. I don't get excited until it closes. Obviously. Exactly. But man, that's a massive <laughs> yeah. deal. 71,000. And none of, how much money do you have invested in this deal? Zilch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's so, day, you got you zero money in it. It's your crazy, only yeah. cost is your marketing. Marketing. Which is awesome. So how did you guys go about marketing for the deal where did it, it was a cold it call was a cold company? call it was unbelievable yeah it was how awesome call. is that you know what i it i i would say it was a little lucky because a lot i mean cold calling normally from my experience like it takes four five six seven months to really get some momentum this was just a happened to be luck of the draw so it, it listen that could have been a mailer like it, it could have been any channel right could have been a text message uh, but the way i kind of saw it i'm like you know this so, I mean, a lot of people would have probably maybe thrown that lead away because it, it wasn't like your typical, like, oh, my God, I need to get rid of this thing. It's a mess. Like, I'm in trouble. I just knew that market, and I knew what, like, the houses were selling for over there. So I knew at that price, like, there was something we could do. We could, something we could do to, to make you, it happen. You, you hit on something, though, and that is um... – you know, a lot of people, first of all, you hit on something where you said a lot, the first handful of leads are coming in were junk, right? Uh -huh. And a lot of people will see the first handful of leads come in as junk if they go, that marketing source doesn't work. You got to turn <laughs> a lot of dirt to get the gold. Every once in a while, a nugget pops up. This is a nugget. The second thing you hit on is it wasn't obvious. No. And that's the other thing. Most people fail because they don't recognize the opportunity. And then the next step where most people fall short is they don't recognize what a deal actually is. You knew the market. You were able to yeah. recognize the opportunity. You understood marketing channels were about sifting through dirt. And that's that's really when people say, oh, it doesn't work for me. It's because they're missing something in those three steps. And, yes. and recognizing opportunity is usually once the phone has rang, like you've, your marketing has worked and the phone has rang, recognizing opportunity is usually the number one point of failure. And then the number two is, okay, I see opportunity, but now I don't know what a deal actually looks like. Yeah. Those are the two points, major points of failure where I see most people hit the wall when they're trying to get going in this business. That is so true. And especially in areas like, like San Diego is, you know, the houses are sort of similar, but it's not like a Phoenix where like everything is literally homogenous, where like every property is very similar. Right. Like I've found in, in San Diego, there's some pockets you really got to know. And then especially up in like the Northeast where you know, the inventory up here, like you could have a house built in 1920 and then next door there's a house that was built in 1970. So like knowing like some new people, like they, they might have a good opportunity, but like you said, Don, they don't know how to really like what it's worth or what you can pay for it to still make it a deal. And they fumble these leads and they, then they, they, they blame the leads, but they really just didn't know, like you said, how to capitalize on that opportunity. And that's something that just comes with experience. And, you know, a lot of the houses we've been doing this year have been through other investors because they're they're coming to me and they're bringing opportunities and they're new they don't really know the market as well as uh, someone who's been doing it for a while 
So I'm able to help them, you know, evaluate the deal and then we can make an offer and then we JV it, you know? So that's been a good, you know, value add I've been offering in, in my, uh, in the New York area at least, but, um, definitely good points you made. Man, I love that. I love that. Super new at this. What was your earnest money amount? People are still trying to use 1000 or less is a question that we have. So how much earnest money did you have to use on this deal to make the $71,000 assignment? Yeah. So you can, I mean, I'm not an attorney, so I don't want to like talk about like, so basically in California, from my experience, let's say you have an earnest money with a seller for a thousand dollars and then you go wholesale it and you have a cash buyer going to put 10 grand down. You can have the 10 grand pretty much cover your gap with the seller. So like technically no, but really 10 grand, but it's the assign ors money. So that's in California. How much did you have in it of your own? I didn't put a deposit down because zero. So you use the buyer's earnest money. I love doing that. We do Um, that all the, almost every day. We, so, and we just, I mean, for instance, we do a $500 earnings money deposit standard on every one of our contracts. And if the seller asks for more then we'll negotiate um, with the seller, just, you know, in that particular situation, but then we require our buyers to put uh, an earnest money deposit down and it's, it's greater than, than what we put in, what we put down on the property. So it always, it it always, it it always ends up satisfying whatever the situation is with the seller. Yeah. The other thing too, with that question is it really depends on where you are. So for example, like up in the Northeast, like sometimes I'm putting 10, $15,000 down hard, non-refundable. So like, you know, in New York, you really can't do that because the attorney, like in order to have a signed contract, the attorney sends your attorney a contract and then you have to put a deposit down before it's a valid contract. So it's harder to wholesale up here because there's just, you have to have some money to put down in deposits. So normally I put down like $2,000, $2,500, sometimes five grand. Uh, we'll get away with a thousand sometimes, but normally it's, it's going to be more than that. But, um, you know, a lot of people don't like that. I recognize that as a little bit of a barrier to entry. So, uh, there's not 10,000 wholesalers in my market. There's a good amount, but it's not as saturated, I guess, as a Phoenix or a, a Dallas or somewhere where there's, you know, I don't know, hundreds of wholesalers, but there's still deals anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. 100%. I love it. Tiana, send me your address. I'm going to mail you a free book for asking a question today. Look at that. Much appreciated. That's awesome. And that was actually a really good question. Gavin, what are you doing for earnest money? Sorry. Uh, I've got a bit of a nightmare on my hands. I'll explain it here in a minute. A uh, hundred bucks is what we do. hundred dollars. Uh, yeah. It doesn't standard. have to be high. Again, it doesn't have to be 1%. But very rarely send it in. We use the buyer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same. So, Oh, I forgot. I'm so sorry. Let me go send yeah, this over I mean, tomorrow. Yeah. You should send it in, I guess, but it depends. If it's something that's like it's a certain situation, if you feel the seller's a little dodgy and a bit crazy, we'll send it in, you know? Yeah. Um, but otherwise, yeah, 100 bucks for us. I got yeah. you. I got you. All right. So, great. I want to jump in with you for a couple minutes here and talk about, um, and we've done this on a podcast or two in the past too, but like the closing attorney. And this just blows my mind, right? So I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. We have title companies that can get deals done and we have closing attorneys who can do it, but I'd never go hire an attorney if I can just have a title company do it. It's typically cheaper and it's not required, right? Mm -hmm. But up in New York where you do a lot of investing, Everybody has to have an attorney. Yeah, in New Jersey too, and Connecticut. or in New so Jersey too. The whole 
the three states, yeah, you got a PA, you don't have to have an attorney. So that's a good area to do it in without dealing with a crap. But basically, so I'll just speak mostly towards uh, New York state, which is pretty popular. So there's probably a good amount of investors who are watching this or who will watch this. So the way it happens in New York is when you have a seller tell you that I accept your offer and I want to proceed, it's, it's very hard to get them to sign a contract. Um, not because it's illegal. And once again, this is not legal advice, but the standard practice that everyone is aware of up here is like you have an attorney represent you in a transaction. So if you have the seller sign the contract without ha them having an attorney, you could get sued down the line potentially if they wanted to like kind of go and, you know, report you or something. So I always have all the sellers that I work with get their own attorney. I refer them attorney if they don't have one. Most of them have an attorney. And what does that cost the seller? Well, that's part of the negotiation too. It, it depends on where you are. In Long Island, it could cost $2,500, $3,000. Uh, if you're up where I am, it's about $1,000 on average, $1,500 just to have them represent the seller. So it's more expensive. But what happens is once you get an attorney involved, it takes about a week to two weeks to actually have a fully signed contract if it's working well. Because that attorney that's representing the seller has to send your an attorney, your attorney the contract. That takes a week usually. And then usually that contract, there's some language in there that's not in the investor's favor. Oh, they want 10% down. They don't want it to be assignable. So then you have so to, these attorneys go back and forth six yeah, or eight so they times. They go back and, and forth for up to three a, grand. another week. Oh, so great. My record is it took two months one time to get an accepted offer signed in contract. Took two months, two full months. And uh, it was like in limbo. So could have the seller could have sold it behind my back and I would have had no, re no recourse. But anyway, so once you have a fully signed contract, this is the real thing I love about New York state doing properties up there is a lot of, I've had this happen to me in Texas where I've had a, I've had a hot deal under contract. We had a buyer lined up and we were going to make a fortune. And then the seller wanted to try to get out of the contract and you it's, they can't technically do it, but like, it's really like you can cloud the title, but I still ended up losing. And I had to, I think I got a thousand dollars and I was going to make like 60. So like I, I lost the deal. So in New York, it's very hard to get into contract, but it's also very hard to get out of contract. So if a seller changes their mind, when you have a fully signed contract, you can actually sue them for the entire purchase price if they don't want to close. So if you're buying a house for $500,000 and the seller doesn't want to sell because they have a higher offer and you're in contract, you can sue the seller for 500 grand and win. So you can't ever get snaked out of a deal by a buyer or a seller. It's impossible. Like legally, it's impossible. So there are some advantages of having yeah, yeah. the attorney. Huge okay. So when you assign, like if you have your contract in New York that is allowed to be assignable, most attorneys don't care about that. If you assign the contract and you're making 100 grand, which is, you know, you can do that down in Long Island or up by me. You know, if the seller's mad, you're making money and the buyer's mad, you're making money. Everyone has to close. Like you can't really like, unless you, if you're the buyer, you'd leave your deposit down. So it's, it's a good state because when you have a contract, you're going to close all those deals. You know, the seller can't squeal out. The buyer can't back out unless he wants to lose a huge deposit. So um, those are some advantages that I've liked about doing business here. It's just, you have to get used to that and you have to have a big pipeline because the cycle takes a lot longer. So as long as you have a good pipeline, it's, it doesn't really bother me anymore. And then when I go get a house in California and I sign it on DocuSign, I'm like, I think it's like a scam. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, what is this? <laughs> it's way easier over there. It doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. so the seller has an attorney. 
you as the investor buyer have an yep. attorney. If you're wholesaling, you still have an attorney. Mm -hmm. And then that other end buyer has an yep. attorney. And then their lender has an attorney. If and then their lender, lender, assuming yeah. there's a lender. So what happens if it's like a joint venture with two investors in the middle and then a buyer that has a lender? How many attorneys are there? Uh, well, if you're going to JV with somebody, normally you're going to just share that attorney. Okay. Normally. That makes sense. It makes sense. Um, so four to five I, though. I have one closing right now today. There's a house in Westchester. It's in Millwood, which is like a really like bougie area. So it was expensive purchase price. I have an attorney. The buyer has an attorney. The lender's attorney is going to be there. And then the seller and the seller's attorney are going to be there or the seller's not going to be there, but his attorney's going to be there. So there, there's sure. four or five attorneys involved. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> it's at one thirty today, actually. So. so what is, what, what does that cost? I mean, is that like a thousand dollars per attorney? My attorney is, he gives me a better deal because <clears throat> I am, I give him volume. Repeat, but yeah, repeat. Yeah. But normally the attorney fee, if you're buying a house is going to be anywhere from, you know, a thousand to $2,500. That's kind of the spectrum around here. If you're up in Buffalo, it's probably going to be cheaper, just a different area up there. It's more like the Midwest, but that that's just an attorney fee for his time. That doesn't count for the closing costs that are extremely high up here because well, the attorney, and then there's a lot of other, there's transfer tax and there's mortgage recording tax. And there's a lot of costs that go into closing on a house here. So I would say on average, Don, if like, when I buy a house, I'm just thinking out like if I'm going to close on something with hard money or even private money, closing costs are normally about five to ten thousand uh, dollars if I'm buying a house for two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. So you have to account for that when you're when you're buying these properties and making offers because you know in Texas, for example, I mean we've closed on a lot of houses there and it's like you know two thousand dollars, fifteen hundred bucks. We're closing mm -hmm. in cash, and it just blows my mind. Even in California, the closing costs aren't as bad as I thought. They're they're much more reasonable than New York, and it's still expensive out there. So no, I mean you're talking Central Valley, California. You're talking about fifteen hundred dollars a transaction. Yeah, it's um, crazy. It's not, and that that's buyer and seller side, and that's you know, and that's that's, that's, crazy. that's both sides. So um, that's you have insane. transfer tax in California. We have transfer tax. Yeah, tra I mean that's 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 not a, that that's not necessarily including transfer tax. So I'm talking about like the, all the escrow fees and whatnot, yeah, and title insurance, and so on and so forth. So transfer tax obviously will add to that. In some cases, though, I'm out the door for fifteen hundred bucks, and I'm, that's, that includes transfer tax. What is the average buy price in Fresno? Like, what's the average like pickup price? Like two hundred, buck fifty, a buck fifty, buck seventy five. Yeah. So those are um, great numbers. I mean, I'm yeah. used to San Diego yeah. where it's like 700 grand, you know, 500 right. grand. Your transfer tax is going to be a whole different animal. But what's what this is a lesson, people who, who are watching this is New York is obviously an example of overcomplicating something to the point of the nth degree. And there's no reason to overcomplicate your business the way New York overcomplicates <laughs> their title process. Yeah, it's <laughs> a whole. Story. Yeah. And then there's a title. Yeah. Oh, and there's a title company, too, in New York, but they're just a service provider. So the title company is going to be at the closing today in an hour. And all they do is make sure that title is clean and there's no liens and encumbrances and they sell you the policy. So they, their title company doesn't cut the checks. The title company doesn't do any of that. All they do is they're a service provider. They make sure that the property's got no liens in, on it. And that's all they do. So there's no, like, you don't bring a contract to title. You bring a contract to the attorney. Then the attorney picks the title company. It's like kind of like in California where you go to the escrow company and the escrow company selects the title company. But in California, you don't need to get an attorney involved, which is a great thing. Um, Hold on a second. You just confused me real quick. So you're <laughs> talking about an escrow company being separate from a title company? 
Yeah, in California, it's there two. There's two different. There are two different things. I learned something new. I never knew that. I've always figured that the title company was the escrow company. That's what I thought. At least it is here in my city. Don, is that up in the Central Valley? Is that how it works? In in, in Northern California, the title company, escrow company, are the same thing. Oh, in Southern Cal, it's different then. In Southern Cal, it's just an escrow and then they get title. It's 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 a little confusing in Cali, but uh, New York is a lot more complicated. So here's a quick story on on the Northeast and what why it's different, but why it's better. So this is like real going on in lifetime. So I got a house in New Jersey and it was a pretty good deal. I mean, the numbers are very good. So I got a buyer right away, you know, big wholesale fee. And I, sometimes in the Northeast, what happens is these houses are built a long time ago and the oil tank normally is in the basement or outside the house. Sometimes you'll run into an oil tank that's buried in the ground. So when that happens, you have to drill it out before you close. Because if there's like, uh, if you flip, if you fix and flip a house and the retail buyer finds out that there's a buried oil tank, their lender will not give them a mortgage because it's like an environmental hazard basically. So you have to drill these tanks out before you close or else you can get in trouble when you flip them. So normally when this happens, I drill the tank out, no issues, cost five grand and then whatever. So this house, we drilled the first tank out and it was leaking. So we got a quote where it's going to be like $10,000 to, to remediate the, 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 the oil under the ground. So it wasn't like, that big of a deal. So we're like, whatever, we're going to get a credit from the seller. It's not, not the end of the world. So the tank company is about to be done. And we still haven't bought this house yet. Like we're in contract to close. And the tank company goes, I think there's another oil tank on this property. And I'm like, that's impossible. There's not going to be two oil tanks. Like you're, what are you, you're trying to get me for another, you know, $2,000 inspection. Like, come on now. I'm not a rookie. So they, they scan again. They send you a picture of another property. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't been to this house too. It's a funny thing. I like refuse to go it's there. Right it's an hour away. I won't go. I'm like, I'm not driving an hour to go do something I can do on Zoom. So they find a second tank, and this tank is literally like next to the driveway, like right next to the house. And they go, It's a buried tank. I go, You gotta be kidding me. I said, Yank it out. So they yank out the tank. That's another two grand. So now I'm in this thing for like a couple thousand dollars minimum. That tank is leaking. And it, it's leaking underneath the foundation and the whole entire site is contaminated. So they get the state of New Jersey involved now. Now there's like this huge open case. They gave me a quote, $50,000 to remediate. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm stuck now with this house that we haven't closed on. So I have to get a credit now from the seller. So the point of that story is not to you know tell you how much I love oil tanks. It's, it's every area <laughs> of the country is going to be different, right? So like, if you're going to want to like do virtual deals, like you can come to New York, come to New Jersey, come anywhere, but you got to know the little nuances of that area. So like if you're in Phoenix and you're in, I'm sure Dallas, there's probably not buried oil tanks because those houses are newer. But if you're dealing with older properties, that's something you need. Like you could have a six figure deal and you could have something like this happen and that could kill your deal. So the more, you know, your market doesn't matter if you're in one or two or three markets that it's just going to be so much easier to number one, convert your marketing and number two, make the most money on every house. Like if I didn't know that like certain areas, I wouldn't be able to get certain assignment fees because I know like one buyer just wants to keep it as a rental. He doesn't really care what the ARV is because I know the area, because you know what I mean? So you really just, the better you know those markets, it's just so much easier uh, to do deals, right? Whether you're rehabbing, I have rentals there and wholesaling, it doesn't matter. It's the same, same principle. Yeah, Steven's got a good question. So drill it out, tank must be emptied and removed. 
So you can't just like fill it with concrete or something? I wish. I told the company, I mean, hope there's no one watching. I'm just kidding. There's, there's a bunch of people watching this, so I got to be careful what I say. <laughs> I was like, listen, at two in the morning, if, if the tank wants to vanish, like just, you know. But anyway, right. once they pull, basically you have to remove it and it has to be empty because when somebody go, when a, one of these service companies yanks out an oil tank, they have to file a permit with the township and then the township has to notify the state so basically they have to find out so you have to get them removed and it has to be empty and then they test the soil when it gets removed and then the soil uh test tells you if there's contamination so i've pulled now, that was, up was this oil that somebody would have used in an old furnace to yes, heat their yes, house exactly yes oil okay, so this is like not like oil that you'd stick in your car motor no this no, is no, like no no this is refined like for, for burning in a house okay yes yeah so in what state in new york new jersey connecticut um, got it mostly up there that's where you're going to see these um, got it. that doesn't happen in, there's none of that in san diego to my knowledge zero everything is like natural gas for the most part i love it steven send me your address text it yeah. to that number right there i'll send you a free book um dennis had a question earlier we kind of skipped over it i want to circle back if you don't mind greg he said what cold calling company did you use for that deal that the 60 to 70k assignment you're working out in uh in SoCal. Yeah, it's my buddy Iker's cold calling company. I, I forget the name of it, but if he wants, he can reach out to me after this and I can connect him with Iker. I just, I know, I forget the name of him, but it's just my buddy Iker's company. I think it's called like, like US, I, I forget it. If he reaches out to me after this, I will connect him with a guy who is uh, running that show over there. Perfect. You just send me a message. I'll drop it in the coffee yeah. closers Facebook group for yep. anybody that's interested. And we'll get them at. We'll get that's them awesome, guys. We also have uh, virtual assistants that we work with and promote over at coffeewithcloserslive.com. Text flip to that number at the bottom here, and uh, we'll respond with that website and information. Um, but cold callers are awesome, Greg. I love it. I've been cold calling uh, my entire career at this full time, but I've had cold calling VAs for probably going on two years now. And every day I get three, four, sometimes five leads added into my system. Yep. And all the time, you know, all the while, you know, I'm, I'm not behind the, the desk on the phone. It's amazing. So well, it's, it's just, it's all about driving traffic in the door, you know, and, and I think a lot of people overcomplicate marketing and I'm certainly not an expert in it, but I've, done enough channels to where like I've realized that no matter what you're doing, cause I do four or five different channels. There's no, there's not like some unicorn marketing channel that's going to like give you all these crazy leads that like, like people think like internet leads, for example, are like home run leads. And yes, you probably need to get less SEO leads to get a house. But at the same time, most of the SEO leads are going to sound like the direct mail. Like I think like people overcomplicate it. It's about filling up the funnel with traffic. And then pulling out the people who are never going to sell to you and then focusing on the people who have a chance of selling to you and then spending your time. Or if you have a salesperson, having them spend their time by solving those problems. Like I remember I started getting these SEO leads a while ago and I'm like, oh man, like I was, I thought they were going to be like just giving me their house for free. you know. And uh, that was obviously not the case. You know, they were a little bit more interested because they found me, but at the same time I've had cold call leads that have been home runs. Right. And I've had, direct mail leads that have been home runs. And I've had SEO leads that have been non-home runs. So it really, you just have to get traffic in the door, no matter what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it, it just, that's what I've kind of noticed. I personally, like if I had to 
be biased towards one marketing channel, I would have to say direct mail simply because you don't like, unless you have a cold calling company calling for you, I just like the predictability and the consistency of direct mail. Like, you know, when you send that out, you're going to get a certain amount of calls and you know, there's going to be some bad calls here and there where there's going to be about maybe half of them are going to be bad calls, but the good calls are really, really good. So, and, and they're in areas that you want to buy in. Like I'm yeah, you targeted them. Yeah, right. exactly. Like when they call back, they're in areas that I want to buy in and they have equity most likely because I wouldn't have, you know, filtered that list a certain way. So I like mail person. I know Don loves direct mail too. It just, uh, just works. I don't know. I don't know how to explain. He it. don't like mail. <laughs> He's the king of mail. <laughs> I love awesome. it. All right. Prue NYC says, which are, which one are the two or three best markets um, at the opposite spectrum to the New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, as far as complexity and cost, I'm in New Jersey. And then she said for wholesaling. Yeah. Good question. So it really depends on where you are in those states. So like New York is huge. You have like Buffalo, you have Albany, you have Long Island and you have the Hudson Valley, which is where I am. Those are like Long Island and the Hudson Valley are very close to New York City. So they're going to be expensive and you're going to have a lot more attorney garbage. Bergen County, New Jersey, northern New Jersey is the same thing. There's a lot of attorneys and it's expensive. But then if you're in New Jersey for the person asking that and you're in South Jersey, that's more like Pennsylvania. Like you don't really need an attorney in South Jersey. This is in the Philly metro area. So I know guys down in South Jersey, they don't even use attorneys. So it really depends on where you are. And if you want to get involved in the, the areas in, you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut that are more attorney, you know, popular, you just have to have the right expectations going in. You know, and then if you have the right expectations going in and you really know the market and you understand what a deal could be, you're going to be fine and it's not going to be a problem. But a lot of people, they, they hear their information from someone who's not doing it in New York, which is fine. And then they go to a seller's house. They try to lock up a house and the seller's like, I'm not signing this. And they're like, well, the guy online said to sign the contract in the kitchen. And they're like, well, I got to get an attorney involved. And then they're disappointed. So you just got to kind of know a little bit of the nuances there. But I would say if you're in New Jersey, anytime somebody tells yeah. me they need to get an attorney involved, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i had that happen to me in california one time this is actually in in, uh, in san diego and the seller signed the contract and i was like all right that was easy. the guy was like tough tough seller like really stubborn guy i hope he's watching this walter if you're watching this you're stubborn <laughs> and uh he just signed this contract and i'm like thank god we put it out sold it and all of a sudden i get an email from his attorney she's like yelling at me i'm like I didn't know you existed. So other states you can get attorneys involved, but it's in New York, it's it everyone has an attorney representing them. So it just makes things harder. So if that makes sense. So like it 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 really I've had this happen in Texas too, where like the seller had an attorney, but I didn't have an attorney, and the attorney didn't care. So you just gotta know going in that that it, it might be a little harder, but it's totally worth it because you can make big profits in an expensive market. You know, you don't have to like in New York, a common assignment fee is probably 25, 30 grand, at least down here. Cause the, the expense, the houses are so expensive. You can do that. And it's not really that uncommon. And the guys, the buyers don't really care either. Cause like, you know, everyone's got to make money. I think the world. good thing is though, with, with like New York, because it is so complicated that 
it weans out a lot of competition, right? Because I oh, think yeah. people go there and try and do it, but then when they realize all the steps and they're new, it's super yeah. difficult. So I'm sure, like, I'm not saying it's easier to find deals because it isn't, but you get what I'm saying. You, you know that's, what that's I mean? True. Like, that's true. Gavin, that's 100% true. There's definitely less investors up here than there are in a major, you know, investor-friendly city. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it's funny. I was doing a podcast with my friend Michael Pinter, Great guy. If you guys ever want to have him on the show, he's a really wealth of knowledge. And uh, he was telling me, he's like, he's in Long Island. So that's an hour and a half from this area. He said, there's probably six guys on the entire Long Island. There's 3 million people on Long Island that are systematically marketing for sellers. Six people. That's it? That, yeah. Cause I know we know them all. Like we all know them, you know? What? So, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's like the way it is. I mean, there's a, listen, there's, and when he says six guys, he means like six guys who have real companies that are like consistently bringing in deals. There's probably more, you know, onesie twosie guys here and there, but yeah, no, it's, um, it's a total different planet for that. You know, there's, there's probably, I would say 40% of the time, probably about 40% of the time we're the only company making the seller an offer, you know, and then the other 60% there's competition, but yeah, it's, it's good, you know, cause you don't have to, you know, fight on every single deal, you know? We were working on one together. Can you remember that? In, in the Bronx. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. She when wasn't talking him. to any other investors, I bet. I think she just had a – It was a. I think that was a three-unit property in the Bronx. I yeah, it, it was, was a – I think it was a father that was yeah. living in it and he wanted to stay in it. And, yeah. you know, I know we were, you know, working – we didn't get the deal done. But um, yeah, but that's the, that's the point. Like, I'm not trying to figure out New York. I just call you. <laughs> yeah. Say, hey, let's JV. Yeah, what do we do. That's the way to and, do it. Um, absolutely. That's the thing too. I've noticed like a couple of years ago, I was doing a good amount of properties in Dallas, you know, and I had never, I've never lived in Texas. So the way I was doing it was I was partnering up with somebody on a JV basis. We weren't on the same LLC or anything like that. It was just a case by case deal. We were splitting the properties 50, 50. We were closing on a lot of them and just either rehabbing them or putting them on the market. But you know, someone was like, Oh, well you're leaving all that money on the table. And I'm like, I guess you could technically say yes, but at the same time, I don't have to basically, the only thing I had to do was get the deal either on the phone or send the lead out and have someone sign it in, in person. And then after that, that was pretty much it. And I would just get a, a wire sent to me when the deal closed. So like, I kind of looked at it like, yeah, I'm giving up half the profit, but at the same time, like I'm, I'm not really doing anything after I get the original property under contract. So the point of that is like a lot of investors, especially if they're new, if you can, if you want to add value to someone in your area, bring them deals and JV with them. And you'll learn so much just from working with someone who has a lot of experience and they're going to want to take your call if you're bringing them real opportunities. Cause of course, cause the way I look at it, I have a lot of people bring, bring me deals. That's a free lead for me. Like that's a free, that's a deal that I didn't have to pay any money for in advertising. So if I have to split it with somebody, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, right? Because that's a that's essentially like a, a just a free property that I got. And say we make twenty grand, it's like ten thousand dollars kind of falling from the sky. That's how I look at it, at least. Yeah. So we're a doing, lot of us up here yeah. do that with other new investors. We're doing that right now. I'm working with somebody that's that's brand new, and they have they they brought a deal to the table, and yeah. uh, they negotiated the whole thing and everything. We're we were handling the con we handled the contract. We have it in contract. We're handling the title process. And we're gonna handle yeah. the dispo process and we're gonna split the profit with them. So I think it's all of us I know I know Gavin does that. I, I'll do it all day long. I'm sure Dave will do it. So I love doing it. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome.
Don't ask me to take you to coffee. Don't ask to take me to coffee, but bring a deal to the table and ask me to show you how it's done. Hands down. I'll do it. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. The coffee thing. I, I used to realize like, uh, if I did that, like once in a while, I will do that depending on what the scenario is. But like a lot of people, they'll ask for coffee or to pick your brain or whatever, whatever insert your suggestion or request. Most people don't ever do anything. Like they won't even like, like they'll mm. pick your brain and you'll give them an hour or whatever. And then they won't ever do anything. And that started happening to me. And then I'm like, well, I basically just wasted my time because they're not going to do anything. So then, you know, now it's like, okay, bring a deal. Or if you have a deal you want me to look at, I'll look at it and tell you like, if your price makes sense, I'll let you know if, if it makes sense. Or if you don't know the numbers, I'll tell you what price works. Like I'll tell you why you need to buy it for this price, especially up in yep. the Northeast that it's mm. harder to comp properties. And then they know, you know what I mean? A lot of times they're bringing me stuff. It's like listed on the MLS. Like, Oh, you want this house? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's listed. Yeah. We, I just, uh, I was just hanging out with Dodge for a few days and we were talking about this, like where we literally tell people like every step, like exactly what to do, like exactly what to do. Yeah. And then they'll do nothing. Nothing. Yeah. And then they'll go and buy a course. Oh, we talked about do... this the other yeah, night. About how and then they'll go and put, buy five grand. Still do nothing. <laughs> You've just done another course. To do. And buy another course. And then they buy had... another course. And then they buy another course. I just had a, I was just, we just did a two day event in St. Louis and there's a guy there. I won't say his name, but he could be watching. They'll laugh because we talked about it. He's bought so many courses. You don't even know what he's bought. You can't even get into him. And like yeah. Joe, he bought Joe's course and then tried to rebuy it because he forgot he bought it. And yeah. he's like, he's like, I am a course junkie. He buys everything from everybody. And it's just like, but not doing deals. It just blows my mind. What's his name? What's his name and email? Yeah, what's his name and email? I'm going to sell that lead to all of you. Yeah, yeah, sell it to me for, yeah, it's funny. Go on Kajabi. That's, funny. That's hilarious. It's true. Yeah. You know what? I, I have a, I have a, a theory on this. I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I think if you buy a course, right. And listen, I buy courses, right. I pay coaches and all that stuff. I'm the mastermind. So I have no problem paying for education. However, if you buy a course, there's really not a lot of resistance. Like maybe it's uncomfortable to spend 500 bucks, but after you spend 500 bucks, there's no resistance. You can go through a course and think you're learning, which you're technically learning. But there's no resistance there. When you actually like put out a direct mail campaign or hire a cold caller or bid on a pay-per-click, whatever keyword, you're probably going to encounter resistance there. And people don't want to encounter resistance. So they, they, they want to think that they're doing something productive by buying a course. But there's really not a lot of resistance with that. You know? But if you're going to make offers, you know, you're going to negotiate with sellers and get rejected and have people call you and scream at you. You know, people by human nature, they don't want to do that. So I, I, that's my theory on why people love buying courses, but they have a tough time taking action. That's, that's what I would think, or well, they just really don't like it or want there, that there, There's, there's that. And then there, cause people want to avoid pain, Anthony Robbins, right? People want to avoid pain. Yeah. Okay, that's, yeah. that's essentially the whole point. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's that aspect of it. And then there is the low barrier to entry to the course. I mean, think about it. Cause 
I was anti-guru for a long time. I, I was so, I always say this, I was so, when I launched the podcast, I was so afraid of being labeled a guru and yeah. I, you know, and I didn't want to sell and I tried to give it away for Why? free Why and nobody just said this way it was in my head. And I tried to give it away for free and, and nobody did anything with it. Yeah. And, and part of the realization is like how, how I work. Okay. So there's a lot of things that I pay for that I don't do anything with. So what's from now, when I look at a mastermind community or course, I'm looking at one, is it truly going to add the value I'm looking for? Do I align with whoever it is that is associated with it? Number two, and then is the price point, this is an honest question I'm asking myself, is the price point painful enough that's going to force me to pay attention? I yeah, love that. That's such a good point. I, I was talking about that. this today with right. some of my students, this exact thing is the, is the price high enough? that they're going to actually perceive value. I love, right? you know, I, I'll spend 200, $300 on a product and look at it for 15 minutes and then be like, eh, I'll come back to it. And then I'll never come back. Right. If I spend a thousand dollars, I'm going to put, give, you know, I'm going to yeah. give it a half a day, maybe a whole day to look in and be like, okay, you know, let's see what's in this thing. What, what's so your number? True. Which, you know, we, we have this, we can go on a whole different tangent too about like, you know, do you need to keep your job or burn the boats? Like I'm a burn the boats guy. I think when it comes Me to, buying a, I, yeah, I think when it comes to buying a course or paying a mentor, what's your burn the boats number? That's the way you like, if you're going to actually do it, I is it going that. to cause enough anxiety in you that you're actually going to take action on it? And that's, that's what you, cause, cause the reality is, is we all want something for free, but we're not going to do anything with something for free. We don't value it. If somebody yes. gives you a brand new Lamborghini, you're going to drive it into the ground. I mean, <laughs> you don't value it. And you're not going to value that somebody's time and effort to put into you. You're just not going to value it. Burn the so boats. Great. That is so freaking true, Don. Especially yeah. cool. to like, if you think about like, think about this, like just to, to, to add to that real quick. I have, you know, hundreds of books in storage units on shelves and multiple sides of the East Coast and West Coast, hundreds of books. Imagine the collective knowledge just in all those books. A book is probably 15 bucks on average. Let's, let's call it 15 bucks. Yet the value in a book could literally be $10 million if it's some crazy tech startup book. But people perceive when they buy a book for $15, oh, I'll read this if it's interesting. You know, maybe I'll do something about it. But let's say that book costs 10 grand, right? They, they would be, you know, reading the thing with a highlighter, with a magnifying glass. So it's like, it's all about charging more. Because not you know, just because that's going to really get someone to actually take action versus, you know, spending 15 bucks. And then if it's boring, they're going to shut the book down and go buy another book for 15. Exactly bucks right. right. Like, so if somebody's watching the podcast just for just for the sake of anybody that's watching, listening to the podcast right now, it's not watching this video because this is a podcast. Make sure you're liking and subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Um, Dave just walked over as, as Greg is talking about books with a stack of books. Oh my God. About, about half his height. I got four <laughs> so, more over and here. And Dave's the same height as me, too. Right. That's a lot of books. Right. <laughs> so, very That's cool. Awesome. It's true, man. It's true. And, and I remember, like, so now, like, I do, I'll, I'll, I'll charge for my time, right? Like, I don't do it a lot, but like, mm -hmm. if I do it, I'll, I'll charge for my time. And it, I remember I did a, a call with somebody like a month and a half ago and you know, I, I make them fill out a questionnaire. Like they got to like really be specific so I can make sure I give them, you know, what they need. And I can guarantee you the person who, who pays for an hour of someone's time versus taking someone out for coffee for five bucks, they're going to do something over the guy who takes that for coffee. Cause they're like, Oh, I just paid this guy, whatever. I'm going to take this advice and I'm going to actually put it into action. And I don't want to disappoint the person too, because I want to tell them, that I implemented what they told me 
and got this result, you know? And like, that's a big thing that I've noticed too, is like, if someone like, they are so much more likely to actually take that action and well, they find value in it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the main thing, right? If you don't find any value in it, you're just going to be like, Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know? yeah. Like, otherwise, it's like, no, I'm going to take exactly what you said. I'm going to go home. I'm going to copy it, duplicate it, make it my system. Thank you. Right. right. And let's, let's flip it one more time. And, and it's, I want to hit this on the head because it's something I've been thinking a lot about. I have kids, right? I have kids. I have a life. You're you are asking me, you, yeah, you're asking, I am a kid. You're asking <laughs> me to trade my most valuable commodity. The one thing that I, I can never refresh, get back, work harder to get more of. Yep. You're asking me to trade my most valuable commodity for you to do, to give you information that I have worked my ass off and lost millions of dollars to learn <laughs> yeah, so literally true. so that you won't do anything with it. It's like, if you're not willing to man up or woman up and, and add value to that situation, you, you literally aren't worth me trading the one thing I can never get back. I'm sorry. Like bring me a deal or pay me for my time because I've, I've learned the hard way that there, there very few people will take what you give them for free and do anything. It's so rare. Yeah. That you get that unicorn once in a while. Who's like, just like an alley cat, you know, starving for a meal, but that's, that's not that common in 2021 with all the craziness mm -hmm. going on nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need to also like, you, you have to bring value. I, that That's what I look for. Like you've got to bring something to the table of value um, where you can't just come with a taking mindset. You've got to give something to, to, to get it back. Right. And I don't yeah. know what that is, but how can I help you? Like maybe if I was new, like when I started was I was doing follow up for people. Right. And then if I got a deal, we'd split it. So yeah. I'm actually when I went into to 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 get in front of people, I was adding value, right? By positioning, hey, are you, you know, what are you doing for follow? Oh no, it's always falling through. We never get to it. Hey, what if I come in and I worked all your follow-up for you? Okay, and anything I get with partner on, how does that sound? So I'm adding oh, yeah. value to get to the table. Does that make sense? Which is, which is which is key. So just wanted to throw that out there. And hey, especially with like like busy investors, like if someone approached me and they said, Hey, Greg, export, you know, 400 of your follow-ups, give them to me. And if I get a deal, we'll split it. That's an easy offer for me to say yes to, because that takes me five minutes and could potentially lead to me making some money with them. So like, it's all about, like you said, Gavin, you know, adding value and, and thinking in your head, what, what would this person benefit from? And then presenting them a good offer. And that's how you get people to take your calls. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, guys, if you are watching, we've got a lot of people watching. We've got some hearts and likes. Do us a favor. Make sure if you're wherever you're watching, like and subscribe. Give us a like. Share the post. We would appreciate it. Again, we're here live every single week, every Wednesday, uh, 12 Eastern, 11 Central, 9 Pacific, depending on where you are watching. Coffee with Closers with myself, Don and David, we have an awesome guest, Greg Helbeck, good friend of all of ours. Uh, he's lived in San Diego. He's lived, he lives in New York, uh, and he's doing a lot of deals. So that's where you're at if you are just joining. So we do appreciate you. Um, real quick, guys, I got a selfish one for you. I've, it's been a bit of a crazy morning. So here's the deal. What do I do? What do I do with this? I'm in Michigan, right? I'm in Michigan right now as we speak, and I'm supposed to be closing. I'm in my RV, and I'm on. But you're already in it, Michigan? But... You were at my house last night. I know. Or two <laughs> nights ago. <laughs> hey, I, I worked out. 
you know, from Monday to Monday. No, I'm in Michigan. Ah. I flew back to Michigan. Got it. For the last seven days, get this, Monday to Monday. I know it's Wednesday today. But I did five coaching calls, okay, in five different states in seven days. How mad is that? So I've been on the go, and it's been crazy. I've been in Florida, Georgia, St. Louis, Tennessee, Michigan. It's been nuts. Anyway, I have a closing today, and I have a problem, and I've got to just talk it through. And I don't know. Let me grab another cup of coffee. Let's do this. Let's do this. It's going (laughs) to. So here's the deal. So I have a closing. I closed on a property on Friday, on Thursday last week in Birmingham, Alabama. Number one rule when you're flipping a house, always pick an offer where someone is using a local lender and not a national lender. Okay. You're saying on the, the, on the sell side of this. Yes. On the sell side. The reason being is we were using chase. They messed up the hood. We signed all the documents on, on, on Thursday. The money was wired in. There was $750 short. It took us until this morning to get the funds. Were you able to not just uh, limit or reduce your, your fee by that? No, they wouldn't do it. No, they wouldn't, wouldn't do, do that. It. No, I even said I'll eat it. I don't care. Give yeah. me the money. And they said we can't until we make it right. So we're going back and forth. The attorney was working on it. Anyway, it was a disaster. Anyway, we finally get the money. The money hits the account this morning, and now it's pending. So I call Wells Fargo after prepping for this. We have a closing today of a house I'm next to, the Lake House. Closing at three o'clock today. Basically, I have to wire in. So I speak to Wells Fargo, who is not local to Michigan. They're in Savannah and well, they're all over the place, but they're not in Michigan. So I went into the bank before I left Savannah and said, Hey, I got a house coming up and I need to wire funds. And I know normally you want me to come into the bank, but I physically can't come into the bank. So what do I do? She said, Well, there's it's a long, longer process, but you have to do this when you were in Tulum last year. He was wiring money from his laptop as well. Yeah, I was yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, look at that. So (laughs) I, I try and prep and get ready that I've got this closing coming up. Right now, obviously, the, the money gets delayed. Fine. I call the bank. It says it's pending. They're like, no, you're fine. It's actually in your account. So I moved it from one account to the other account. Anyway, that's fine. So then I come to actually do the wire. So I contact them and said, hey, I need to do this. And well, it's a lengthy process. And here's the problem. You want to I've got to wire one hundred and forty seven thousand into closing. And they're like, you've just received a wire of two hundred and thirty two thousand. Right. And you now want to wire out 149000 on a on a telephone transaction or whatever it's called. It's probably going to get denied. Yeah. You tell so them like, you were a prince in Nigeria as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> well, cool. Some money. So, so I'm like, well, that doesn't help me, does it? Because I need to get this money into to title to close. Now, right. I've talked to title. They were like, look, you can sign the documents. We'll just delay it until the funds come in. But I'm like, well, cool, but I don't know how I'm going to get the funds there. So I'm now literally, I've come to the conclusion that I have to drive four hours to the bank. Has anyone got any other suggestions? uh, Listen, I mean, I do this a lot, especially going back and forth. So I use Chase. So, I mean, that's a huge, huge, you know, national bank. I do all my wires online um, on on the computer or on my phone. I've increased my wire limit to like, you know, whatever. Cause I, for, this is for a lot of deals. So if, if you can call them and increase your wire limit, you know, to over two fifty, you know, they might be able to let you do it on your computer 
because yeah, because right now it's twenty five grand. Yeah, you guys. That's, so the, you that's have the to limit. Pop it. Uh, that that yeah. happened to me, and and I was uh, where the hell? I was I was with David actually too. I, I yeah, I remember. We were together in Nebraska too. This I was in Nebraska. I, yep. I was buying a uh, I was buying a stupid building, and I had to put a lot of money down, and I was like jumping stupid all over building. the place. So, well, it, was, it is a stupid it's costing me a lot of money now it's a little bit of a dog but that's another story for another right. day but anyway i had to go and i was on the phone with chase they were being idiots like normal and then they were like well just increase your wire limit and you can send this wire on your uh on your phone or your computer and i'm like oh i didn't know that so mm-hmm. i learned that All lesson right. okay yeah. so i call Wells fargo and i'm gonna try that because i didn't actually try that gets shut field? down that gets shut down then what do we do well, that's only, that's, right that, that's only that's only six twenty-five thousand dollars wires. Oh, yeah, there you go. A limit. It's a limit. Twenty-five. Hey, Gavin, is this a wholesale? Oh, no. No, this is me buying. Okay, got are it. Are you flipping the house, or are you living in this lake house? No, I'm. We're keeping it. You're so keeping I'm buying it, and I'm keeping it. Yeah. Okay, so you just you just need to take. Okay, so what I, I just need to move thing. my own money into yeah. this to pay cash to buy it, and that's all I'm trying to do. Do you have? So there's there the closest Wells Fargo from where you are is four hours. Four, 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 four and a half hours. Yeah. Where are you in Michigan, by the way? That's my first question. So I am an hour north of Grand Rapids. So oh, so you're like on the west coast of Michigan, all the way up, like kind of. Well, yeah, it's not that far up, but you got to think Chicago. You've got to go all the way down and back around to get to Chicago, like South Illinois or whatever. South Chicago. How much is it, Gavin? I can cover it for you for a few days for one or two percent. (laughs) <laughs> maybe, 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 uh, maybe if you went to a local bank, Gavin. Maybe I'll if you save went you to the a four local, hour drive, brother. Yeah, <laughs> couple points. It could, hey, it could be an option. You know, some Ranger tickets. It, it, it could, it could be an option. Don't tempt me. <laughs> if you go to yeah. a local bank in wherever you are and, and see if they could maybe do the wire for you, maybe I, I would, I would ask that if you can. Well, go to I've like, got an account with Chase. So I'm, I've been thinking. I have an account with Chase, but I don't have a business account i have an account with chase a personal account that i don't really use but there is a chase local but then i'm thinking if i go and see chase it's going to be the same problem because i still got to it's just it doesn't matter get surely. The money from that account i've got to get the money from that account to chase so it's still not going to work it's like a yeah. stock you're buying on margin almost <laughs> you know yeah it's like you're trying to trade on margin i mean i would say that it worst case scenario if i were you if you couldn't like do it virtually i wouldn't i personally would not drive four hours i would say escrow company title company uh unless uh, a meteor is going to hit this house tonight can we just wait till my funds hit the account and you know you, so, so it depends on the urgency from like a family friend or something yeah yeah it's coming from um but but still yeah, yeah we're buying a grandmother out but i'm not worried about yeah i could push closing back yeah. but i'm still going to have the problem yeah. of i've got to get the money so it, it, that's never not going to change. That's my point. Because I'm here now for the next. I mean, I'm flying to Tampa in a couple of weeks, but I'm not back home for another five. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, you're you're kind of lot. You're you're up in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, not leaving anytime soon. Um, I would exhaust all options to not drive four hours, and then if you try that for for 24 hours, and the only option is go four hours, then I would, I would, I would have to right. just cave in and do it. But um, I would just try to make a make a. I mean, four hours is a good ride. That's like me driving from like you know San Diego to Vegas or something. <laughs> so that's a good, that's a good trip. So, yeah, yeah, that's like that would be my last option. But I think if you could, um, if you could try to see if a local bank could get creative with you or something like that, that might yeah. be the way to go. 
I love it. All right, Good good question. What tools do we need in our tool belt? Podio, scraping solutions, batch leads, Freedom Soft, Rentometer, all some. Greg, this is actually a really good question. I'm just kind of curious. What what are some of the softwares and tools that you use in your business? Sure. PropStream, I use that a lot. Podio, CallRail, and Google Sheets. Man, that's, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty simple. And but what about a phone on, system? On Carrot. Call rail. One carrot. That's for your uh, for website. your inbound uh, leads yeah, from AdWords or direct mail yeah. or whatever. Yeah, I would say the biggest one though is call. I mean, I I use call rail a lot. I, is I, that I, your phone system? Yeah, I have like fifty five different phone numbers. Let, know, let me you know. let me ask you a question, okay? Because we're we're a smartphone. Just to throw that out there, it's S M R T S M H O N E. Yeah. Okay. So um, we. Call, call rail is more robust when it comes to like um, your KPI tracking, like your, your, oh, your yeah. dashboard reporting. They're, they're, yeah. they're on fire. But yeah. years ago, they had this delay on, in the call because um, it's voice over IP. And there was there was this delay and it was really weird. We were trying to build rapport with the seller and they would say something. It would take a second for you to hear them. And you'd say something, take a second for you to hear them to hear you. So we switched over to smartphone and the call quality of smartphone was was better then. How is uh, call rails quality now? Do you feel like there's still a delay? I don't sense it from what I can tell. Um, I think there, I think it depends though, Don, because there's two things you can do on call rail is you can call through the internet or you can call and it will hit your phone and then it'll go out to the actual number. So right. I like to make all of the calls and my assistant makes all of the calls through the internet. So it doesn't route their live phone it, on it's, the line. It's, it, right. it's an internet call. Yeah. It's literally a web call <laughs> versus like calling the number, having it route to my cell phone or her cell phone, and then it going out to that phone number. So I think that's where there's a little bit of a gap. Um, so I, I like to just go all through the internet because, you know, I need Wi-Fi to work for the most part, or I can just use my phone data. The thing I've noticed with call rail though, that I don't like is that they're, like my call rail bill gets more expensive every every month. Like my call rail bill last month was three hundred and fifty dollars. Wow, <laughs> just for call. It's a lot, and I'm like, what the hell is this? And and I I was investigating, and it was like, you know, my assistant was using the the phones more, which is a good problem, I guess, because that yeah. means she's making offers and whatnot. But like, I think they they like they rolled something new out, and and like that's an add on. You know what I mean? So, so it is getting more expensive, but the way I'm looking at it is like, well, if the call real bill is expensive, that means the phone's ringing. And if the phone's ringing, we're making money. So it might just be a wash. So, <laughs> and I'm so committed to call rail. Like I have so many numbers with them and I just use it so much. It's like, it would be hard for me to part with call rail because I just, it's, I'm just so familiar with it. But um, I've found the internet has not been a problem. Actually, sometimes call rail is clearer than my cell phone. It depends. That's on good to know. Doing. That's good to know. All right, so PropStream, Podio, CallRail, Google Sheets, on Carrot. That's probably at least 80% of what you're using, right? 80-20 principle? I don't think I'm using – oh, but there's another thing I use actually that's pretty cool. It's called OLM Investor Hub. It's I haven't like heard of that. What software. is it? It's like a list stacking software. Got it. Okay, that, very cool. Yeah, that's something I use too. But besides that, I mean I pretty much keep it simple. Nothing. Um, Gavin and I were talking about yeah. this just the other night on my couch having beers. Um, what tools do you need to be in the tool belt? I'm going to circle back to this question that Caroline had. You know, Podio, Scraping Solution, Batch Leads, Freedom Soft, Rentometer. And here's the thing, guys. All of these tools are going to help you if you use them, 
right? It's how much yeah. time are you going to dedicate? So like, don't go out and get 10 softwares if you're not going to use all but one or two of them, right? Also, Gavin, will you explain to me what you said the other day about how you had a guy that had been doing deals for 12 years? You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So we're at the event and we kind of went around the room at the start like, hey, like, why are you here? What's one thing you want to get out of, of, the, of the event? And it was constantly like, let's say we had 40 people. I'd say at least 20 was about a CRM. Oh, I need help with this. I need help with freedom stuff, freedom stuff, freedom stuff, freedom stuff. And these aren't people aren't doing any deals. And I explained to everyone after we'd gone around that here's the deal. This is the problem. Your focus is in completely the wrong area, right? When you're looking at the systems and tools and that's what you're that, that's where you're held up, the money is made on the phone, right? You have uh -oh. to market to have oh, to talk wait. to sellers, to make offers, to follow up, right? You have to your your craft needs to be done on the phone to be good in, in sales to, to to negotiate deals and, and and make things happen. And there's a gentleman in the room who's been in the business since 2003. Okay, he did from 2003 to 2015 without a CRM. Right, he didn't get a CRM until 2015. So that was great that he said that because I'm like, there's the point. Right, that is the point of that you don't need all this technology to be successful. It's there to assist you, to make you better, to make you more efficient. But the reality is the money's made on the phone and that's just it. And I don't care what anyone says. That's my opinion. I and I think we probably all have the same opinion. With it. I, I wasn't there, but you just said 2003 to 2015. So you must've been like talking about me because I didn't have a CRM until 2015. <laughs> Wow. Boom. Look at that. So, and oh, I, I still don't even know how to use our CRM. I don't even, like, yeah. I use basic what, Podio yeah, to just keep yeah, track of the leads yeah. and the stages. That's it. I have no automations, nothing. You know Same what? With, yeah. Same. I'm an 80-20 guy, man. If the, the biggest, I've learned this from uh, Michael Pinter and Gary Harper, the number one brick in this business, if you want to make a lot of money, he says brick as in like the thing that you stack on top of each other to build something is making offers. So it. the person who's going nuts over the, the CR, listen, if you're a struggling investor, I will ask you how many offers did you make last week? And if you can't yep. tell me how many offers either you or your team made, you know, that's probably why you're not getting the deals you want to get. You need to 100%. literally track offers and the you know, the way I look at it is like tracking numbers. You're going to have leads coming in, offers made, contracts signed, deals closed, money or equity depending on if you're renting it or not. That's it. If you keep it that's that it. simple and you know, there's a book actually, where is it? Right? Let me pull this book out real quick. Let me see where this is. This book right here. If you read this book. That's it. The, the one, one thing. thing. Love that book. Great Get book. this book and find your one thing out. And in this business, it is making offers. Uh, so I gave you the spoiler alert there. And you track that. There's no way you will not be making money in, you know, six to 12 months if you do it consistently. I mean, it would be impossible. It's like yep. physics. So, yeah. I'm yeah. passionate about so, the simple stuff. No, 100%. I mean, that is the same. I use, I think there's three things in a CRM, right? You change the status so you know what's yes. going on. You create a task so you know what to do next and you yeah. update your notes. That's it. That's they it. are the three things in the CRM that you need. <laughs> Julia's going to kill you. She's just told you to tidy that desk up. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. It, it just awesome. make <laughs> offers and track. And like another thing too is like, the, the metric of making offers is such a good metric because let's say you make 30 offers and you get zero offers accepted. Let's just say hypothetically, that's probably not going to happen, but let's just say that happens. Then you're probably making your offer too low. 
and then you got to adjust. Like, so like that metric will tell you like where you need to be better. Right. And if you make 30 offers and you get 10 accepted or whatever, maybe you're paying too much. Right. So like, there's just so many dials you can turn when you're doing the thing that matters most, which is presenting offers. And then that will tell you whether you're, whether you're producing good results or whether you need to, you know, adjust, but you know, there's resistance with making offers. There's no resistance with signing up for a, a system. Yeah, exactly. There's no resistance. Oh, cool. hundred bucks a month now. There's no resistance. There's no rejection. There's no hair on deals. I love it. So, gotta, so Caroline, here's yeah. the deal, right? So, you know, what, what tools do you need in your belt, right? You got a different couple different things here. My personal opinion is all you need is all you really need is the ability to run comps. That's it. So, you know, prop yeah. stream is a great solution for that. If you're an agent or a broker and you have local MLS access and you don't even need it. Okay. All you need to do is be able to run comps so you can determine what a fair slash low offer is as an investor we make our money when we buy we get paid when we sell so you need to learn how to comp properties if you don't already hopefully you do so you can make educated decisions on what those offers are and then send offers that's it right so any of these other things let's where's that comment at here it is let's put that back up it's got scrolled up you know, any of these other things like batch leads and freedom soft and rental meter, these are really just, you know, other ways to help you make more offers and or yes. make sure that the offer you're making yes. is an educated offer. That's it. So in theory, you don't really need anything other than a contract and a copying tool. That's it. Podio and freedom soft and RE simply is one of my favorites. And REI Black Books, another great one. You know, all these things have lots of bells and whistles. But at the end of the day, CRMs only do two things. And I'm actually curious if you guys, you know, disagree or agree with me on this. But from my perspective, and I've used a ton, is they help you take notes on what's going on with the lead. And they remind you when your next follow-up is. It's notes and tasks. That's, That's it. it. That's, That's it. That's all mine does. That's it. It's notes more. and tests. Now, yeah. if you have automated follow-up and e-contract signatures, and these are just bells and whistles, they may make your business run a little smoother. But guess what? In the beginning, they're going to do the exact opposite because you have to set them up. And that could take one hour. It could take 100 hours. <clears throat> I've literally gone down rabbit holes with CRMs for months, literally months in the plural. And guess what happened to my business when I'm trying to automate a contract? nothing no offers are being made yep right and all of a sudden i'm doing 10 deals and i'm all of a sudden doing two and i'm like well what the hell just happened and it's because i had my head down in a system trying to figure it out when in reality comping properties making educated guesses on offers and sending those offers are what get you paid period yes so you can afford those nice tools. Exactly. You yeah. So now sure we have additional register. tools yeah. to help market, yeah. to get more leads in the door. So we can do what? Make offers to them. Make more offers. Love yeah. it. Excellent question, Caroline. I love it. Send us, a, send me a text with your address if you're interested and I will send you a free book. I love it. That's Bam. a great question. Look at that. Greg, you got time for a few more or are you in a hurry? Of course I do, my man. Cool. Let's, let's say maybe five minutes and then we'll wrap up. Gavin and Don, if you guys got to go, it's all good. Totally understand. Yeah, I gotta go um, and figure out if I'm driving four hours or not. Yeah, do your thing, brother. All no right. problem at all. No problem at all. All right. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Jay says, I'm putting out bandit signs and I'm doing 
all of the marketing. That's it. That's what you got to do, Jay. Do the marketing. It's opportunities for you to make offers to people. I love it. Jay also says, I'm getting in the business. Agent don't want me to write or assign the contract, but he says he'll pay me a fee uh, because I want my ink to get paid at closing. Is this a good deal? And essentially, it just depends on that relationship that you have with the mm -hmm. agent. Um, agents don't want you to, to write contracts on properties that you then wholesale because there's a big chance that your partner may not close and it's yes. going to be a time waste, right? Yes. So you're better off finding that partner first and then making that offer to the agent all at the same time versus trying to find them after the fact. That's So that brings up a really good point. MLS listed properties are difficult. Yeah, I would they are difficult to do. I don't do that. a whole lot of MLS properties because of a couple reasons. One, they want proof of funds, right? Well, we can do that, but you know, if I'm on a wholesale house, I'm gonna put a hundred dollars down. I don't want to yeah. put down 250 grand to buy the thing first. I want to be able to use contracts and leverage to be able to control it and sell it. Two, agents. Whenever they go in and they pitch their business, Greg, you're going to love this. When they go in and they pitch their business, do you think that the agents are ever like, hey, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to get you like, you know, 65 to 75 cents of, of what it's worth. Who's going to hire that agent? Nobody ever, yeah. ever, ever, right? Yeah. Agents are going to say, hey, Zestimate says it's worth 160. Let's list it for 180 and see what happens. They're going to give you the optimistic point of view, right? And they have no skin in the game either. They're going to have no skin in the yeah, game exactly. either. So when you go to an agent and you say, hey, I'm going to pay you 70 cents on the dollar, do you think they're even going to take that offer to the seller? I mean, they're supposed to. That's ethical. That's the way it works. But they're not. They're going to be like, oh, my 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 seller don't want this one. Thanks for the offer, right? Yeah, so it, I've had with that. I mean, I have the rare, like maybe once. This has happened once so far this year where a seller got my mailer and it was listed on the market. And I'm like, dude, your house is listed. I don't think this is going to make a lot of sense. And he was ultra motivated and we ended up buying it, but that's not normal. That's an anomaly that, that, that happens once a year, maybe because we do enough marketing. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say making offers on the MLS. If you're going to wholesale, it makes any sense. What if you're going to take them down and rehab them and you know, that area that could probably work. But if you're assigning contracts, I mean, that that's, the MLS, you're barking up the wrong tree. Well, here, here, here's yeah. here's the other perspective of it. Um, <clears throat> most people that are trying to wholesale at the MLS, this is what really gets gets my uh, anger going. They'll go in and they will outbid everybody else that's bidding on the MLS offer, making offers, and then they'll try to assign it for a higher price. It's oh like, my gosh. If you just, it, that's not adding value. It's like, if you go in and it's listed for a hundred and you negotiate it down to 80 or 75, and then you want to wholesale it for, say you get it for 75, you want to wholesale for 85. Well, you added value, you negotiated it down, right? You put in yeah. some work. I, I could, I could get behind that, but if it's listed for a hundred, you go bid it up to 120 and then try to assign it to me for 130. You've added zero value. That's insane. And that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, I've seen that happen so many times. It's ridiculous. That is so insane. Yeah. No, that's, that's the thing. It, there's with the MLS, if this guy's still watching, it's easy to go on the MLS and make a bunch of bunk offers and think you're productive because technically you're making offers, but you're not making offers on the right property. So you got like, there's not a lot of resistance there. Once again, they're like, that's the theme of the show, I guess, is resistance. Like if you send out marketing, and you get people to call you and they are real off market deals that are not listed 
that's when the offers you make are going to start to add up. Because if you're not doing that, anyone can go on the MLS and, you know, make a bunch of offers in 10 minutes, but not everyone wants to go send out marketing or do whatever and talk to a seller and make an offer and negotiate and follow up. That's where the value is added because you're going out, like Don says, you're creating value by finding a deal that no one knows about at a good price. And then you're selling it at a, at a price that works for both parties. And that's how you create deals by adding value. So, you know, the more resistance, the better in the beginning, because then you just get used to it. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, a couple more real quick, guys, and then we'll wrap up for today. I appreciate you staying on for a couple extra minutes with us today, Greg. Um, no problem, man. Will, Will says, what is the best method for contacting sellers? Here it is right here, Will. iPhone. It's a phone. 12 plus. Yep. Doesn't matter what type of phone. It's a phone. All marketing leads to phone calls. All. Yes. Right? Everything. If you're doing SMS blasting or texting, right? The purpose is to get people on the phone, right? Yes. If you're sending direct mail, you're telling oh. them to call, text, or email you or go to your site and fill out a form. So then you can then call that person, right? If you're doing radio ads, you're going to be advertising your phone number or your website so they can call you or they can fill out a form so you can call them. Bandit signs. You're not putting down your home address saying, come over to my house and hang out with me. You're saying, call me. Yeah. I want to buy your crib, right? It all leads to phone calls. So the best way to go about talking and finding sellers is always going to be to use a phone. All these other methods are going to drive people to get on the phone with you. Would you guys agree with that? Absolutely. 100%. Love it. All right, guys, we've got time for one more. Let's see what we got here. Um, what is a good tool to comp properties? That's a good one. A good tool to comp properties. I think propstream.com. Yeah, Redfin's free, guys. Redfin. Realtor.com. Uh, Epraisal. These are free places. Right. We got to we got to do the caveat that you don't go off this estimate if you go to Zillow. You look at you look at the neighborhood and the properties Absolutely. around oh, it. Yeah, and what, yeah, What's yeah, sold yeah. and what's listed? Yeah, I just want to make sure that somebody who's never heard that before hears that that this estimate <laughs> that would is be garbage. Easy. If you just do this estimate, yeah. you're on the money yeah. every time. I would have yeah. a VA make offers for me, you know. But um, yeah, Redfin MLS. Well, I like the MLS, but depending on if you can get that in your area, or if you have a license, right? That would that would solve that. But I I found that Redfin in Southern California is pretty much the MLS. I found PropStream basically is the MLS in that area. And then uh, same up here in the Northeast, Redfin and, and PropStream. If you don't have the MLS, you could do some real damage with those two pieces of software. I love it, man. Greg, thank you so much for coming on today. Always a pleasure chatting with you. You inspire the hell out of me, my friend. Thank you, man. I appreciate and you're it. always doing big things. And I'm, I just, I love connecting with you. I love learning from you. I always learn something. Every time I talk to you, man, you are full of knowledge. And uh, I'm going to speak for Don on this as well. We are super grateful to have you on the show today, man. Thank 100%. you. So it is my yeah. honor to be a guest. Thank you for uh, yeah. allowing me to join. So I hope you both uh, have a great rest of your afternoon and uh, sure we'll talk soon. Mm -hmm. That's right. Guys, thanks for watching. See you guys. Don't forget bye -bye. coffeewithcloserslive.com. Free resources. And if you watch today and you want a free wholesaling real estate book, I got about 30 of these in my basement that I need to get rid of today. I will send you one for free. Now, this is only to the people that text me in the next 30 minutes. So if you're listening to the podcast, uh, we have other giveaways for you. But I'm actually going to be mailing people a book today for free, my cost, all you got to do is text me your address. Don't drop it in the comments. 
I'm only going to be working on the texting, right? So 314-310-5221. Again, that's 314-310-5221. Shoot me a text and 